RD Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Ascent to Terror by Tracy Auburn. The balloon's gas was almost gone. Now, there was nowhere to land but the raging sea. At their holiday apartment at Palm Beach, on Queensland's Gold Coast, Sylvia and Alex Steele from the Sydney suburb of Ryde said goodbye to their 15-year-old grandson, Kevin. As they climbed into their car, Sylvia smiled at the excitement that shone on her husband's face. Alec, 61, who had a passion for adventure sports, had arranged a flight on a hot air balloon. Still sure you don't want to go? Alec asked. You know how I feel about heights, his wife said, shaking her head. You'll never get me up in one of those things. It was five o'clock on an October morning as they set off to meet the balloon pilot, 56-year-old Roger Meadmore, at a nearby pancake restaurant. On the way, they stopped to pick up Judith Goodwin, a librarian from Sydney who was staying at a nearby apartment with her husband. He didn't want to fly, and she had been offered a flight on the same balloon as Alec. It's not great weather for photographs, said Meadmore, glancing at the overcast sky, but you'll get a clear view once we're up. In Meadmore's four-wheel drive, they drove 15 kilometres to a field outside Narang, from where the prevailing wind would take them south to Coolangatta Airport. First job is a wind check, explained Meadmore. A veteran of some 3,000 flights, he had checked the forecast earlier that morning. Moderate winds were predicted in the area. He inflated a small test balloon with helium and released it. It climbed rapidly, then was whisked away by the northerly breeze. That's normal here. The wind on the ground is funnelled by the surrounding hills, said Meadmore. Once we're up, it'll be a smooth ride. The next job is to unload the balloon, Meadmore told Alec. They lifted a large bundle of blue-grey nylon fabric off the vehicle's trailer and spread it on the ground. Then came the wicker passenger basket, which Meadmore attached to the balloon. Next, they connected two of the liquefied petroleum gas tanks to the burners. We're ready to inflate, said Meadmore. As Alec and Judith held the mouth of the balloon open, Meadmore opened a valve and ignited the gas. With a roar, the burner gushed blue flames. Every few seconds, Meadmore directed a brief blast into the interior of the balloon, then throttled it back to avoid damage to the fabric. Within 15 minutes, the sail stood as tall as a nine-storey building, pulling hard at its anchor line. Sylvia hesitated, quietly cursing her dislike of heights. Go on, you'll never get another chance, she told herself. She was not easily intimidated. When their son, Raymond, was born with a severe mental disability 35 years before, health workers had urged her to put him in an institution. She had stubbornly refused. This is not going to beat me, Sylvia had resolved, and nurtured the boy until he was 16. Only then did she feel he was ready for specialist nursing by others. She looked at Alec's expectant face. This is not going to beat me, she decided. Her face broke into a smile. What the heck, I'll come. Heart thumping, she clambered into the basket. Alec put a reassuring arm around her and grinned. At 6.10am, they began climbing through the ground currents. The speed of their ascent surprised Sylvia. Instead of a leisurely glide, they had taken off at a sharp angle and immediately started scudding across the sky. Sylvia shot a worried glance at Alec, but he squeezed her hand. You'll be okay, he grinned. 
Maybe this won't be so bad after all, she thought. Meadmore checked his altimeter and variometer, instruments that tell altitude and rate of climb. Their vertical progress was fine, but they were heading east instead of south. A few hundred feet more and we'll be clear of the wind, he told himself. A successful restaurateur in Australia and Japan, Meadmore loved ballooning with a passion. As a youth, he revelled in his skill as a pilot of fixed-wing planes, but while holidaying in Europe in 1971, he was taken on a balloon trip and two years later he bought his own balloon. In 1983, he became Australia's first balloon charter operator. We should be clear of ground air currents by now, he thought, as he watched the altimeter. If I stay at this altitude, we'll be pushed toward the sea. He picked up his handheld radio. Coolangatta Tower, this is hot air balloon X-ray Papa Oscar. We're in a strong westerly wind. Request clearance to 5,000 feet. Clear to 5,000, came the immediate reply. Sylvia watched Meadmore intently. His face was calm, but there was an edge to his voice that disturbed her. She thought of her grandson back at the apartment and felt a stab of anxiety. Expecting the balloon flight to last only half an hour, she had said to him as they left, We'll be back in time for breakfast. Kevin had been only 13 months old when his parents had separated. His father, Alec and Sylvia's son Geoffrey, was awarded custody but could not look after the baby while he was working, so Sylvia and Alec had taken Kevin in. If something happens to us, Sylvia thought, how will he manage? Meadmore glanced at the altimeter. 3,900 feet, 4,000 feet, 4,100 feet, with no sign of the westerly wind diminishing. This is no ground current, he told himself. He yanked on the air-release lanyard, discharging a rush of hot air from the top of the canopy. The balloon began to drop rapidly. He turned to his nervous passengers and said, I'm going for a landing as soon as I can. The wind had picked up alarmingly now, and they were heading for the sea at more than 30 knots. At 6.20am, Meadmore picked up his radio. Coolangatta, I'm going for a landing on the beach. He grabbed the ripcord, ready to collapse the balloon as the basket touched the ground. But his arm froze. Too fast. Landing at this speed could kill them. The surf now roared and foamed beneath them. Stunned, Meadmore grabbed the radio. Mayday, Coolangatta, Mayday. We're not going to make the beach. Call Air Sea Rescue. Stay in the air the air traffic controller said. They're on their way. Meadmore dared not show his mounting fear. Ahead lay nothing but the vastness of the Pacific Ocean. He had enough gas to last for an hour and three quarters before he would have to ditch. Water would swamp the basket as soon as they hit the sea and they had no life jackets. If no boat reached them, they would die. He glanced at his terrified passengers who were staring at the receding shore. I must keep everyone calm, he thought. The ringing phone woke Constable Greg Sinclair from a sound sleep. There's a balloon out of control off surfers, said the duty officer. You'll need to get there quick. Sinclair dressed and rushed to the water police headquarters at Main Beach, north of Surfers Paradise. Jumping out of his car, he ran to the police launch D.W. Rembeck, moored beside the base. Her skipper, Sergeant Neville Cooper, had already started the engines. There's four people out there and we've got to get them while they're still in range, he told Sinclair. Greg, you take the wheel. Sinclair eased in the gear sticks, then pushed the throttles hard forward. As they powered toward the open sea, Sinclair followed the path of Apex 2, 
a twin-hulled outboard power rescue craft from the Southport Surfers Paradise Air-Sea Rescue Service. Just follow the wind, Cooper told St. Clair. That'll take us to them. Terrified, Sylvia gripped the rim of the basket as she looked down at the waves far below. Dear God, Alec, the sea is so rough, she said. We'll be okay, said Alec. We'll get help soon, Syl. Clouds had begun to gather about them, and every few moments they plunged through icy mist. Completely shrouded in vapour, Sylvia lost her sense of height. It's peaceful here, she thought. Death must be like this. She squeezed Alec's hand. We've had 39 years together. At least we're going side by side. St. Clair knew their only hope of reaching the balloon lay in outrunning the wind. But the waves had risen to two metres and the rescue boats were taking a severe pounding. The 27-year-old had been posted to the water police from the regular Queensland force just eight days before, but he had handled boats all his life. He knew too well the risks of high speed in rough seas. If D.W. Rembeck came off a wave too fast, she would pitch forward and dig deeply into the next swell, swamping the boat and flooding the engines. St. Clair dismissed the thought and concentrated on keeping D.W. Rembeck at an optimum angle to each oncoming wave. Not a sign of them, Cooper said as he scanned the sky. We're running out of time. It was now 7.45am and their situation was becoming desperate. Meadmore knew from Coolangatta Control that two boats were chasing them. But they were still being blown along at 20 knots. At that speed, ditching the craft would be like smashing into a waterfall. He glanced across at his grim-faced passengers. Judith Goodwin caught his eye. Please, I don't want to die, Judith begged. Today is my daughter's birthday. Don't worry, Meadmore reassured her. The boats will make it in time. The calmness of his voice surprised him, for he knew that in less than ten minutes the balloon would run out of gas. By now, Cooper realised, there was little hope of spotting the balloon among the gathering storm clouds. Then, ahead of them, he saw a speck of dark grey against the approaching thunderclouds. There! Over there! yelled Cooper. At full throttle, Sinclair altered course and sped off in pursuit. The boats! cried Sylvia. I can see boats! Heart pounding, Meadmore closed his hand around the lanyard that controlled the vent at the top of the balloon. His mind had been racing through a last-ditch plan that might save them. Years before in Sydney, a gust of wind had snapped a rope tethering his balloon and blown him north. Three hours later, he had made a pinpoint landing on the roof of a cruise boat on the Hawkesbury River. That was touch and go, even on a placid waterway. I'll have to try to do it again, he thought or my passengers will drown before they can reach the boats. He tugged at the lanyard, and the balloon began a downward plunge until the basket hung only metres above the water. Sinclair could see the pilot pointing to the rear of the other boat. I think he's going to try and put her down on Apex, said Cooper. Greg Turner, skipper of Apex 2, manoeuvred forward, trying to optimise the balloonist's chances by keeping pace with the balloon. Meadmore tugged at the lanyard and dropped toward the boat, but just before they hit the deck, Apex 2 was thrown aside by the swell. "'Damn!' said Meadmore, opening up the burner as the basket skimmed the waves. Apex 2 was beneath once more. Again he pulled the lanyard. The balloon quickly dropped the last few metres, but suddenly Apex 2 reared up and the basket smashed into her stern. In the two-metre swell, the boat lurched uncontrollably. "'God help us!' Sylvia prayed as the basket hit the sea. 
The basket toppled sideways into the water and the balloon became a huge sail, pulling the basket over the waves as a torrent of water poured in. Meadmore and his passengers were tumbled like shirts in a washing machine. Sylvia felt the wickerwork beneath her and soon struggled to her feet. There was a huge gasp next to her as Alec's head burst free of the water. As the two gulped for air, the next wave broke over them. They were pinned to the basket's side by the force of the water flowing through it, trapped like a fish in a trawler's net. This is not going to beat me, Sylvia raged. She pulled fiercely at one of the wires holding the balloon and with a mighty heave hauled herself onto the edge of the basket and plunged into the swell. As she sank, Sylvia tried to kick upward, her lungs aching for air. She felt a rush of fear. Something's trapping my foot. A line had become wrapped around her ankle and was pulling her below the surface. She frantically tried to kick herself free, but the force of the moving balloon tightened the deadly loop. Fight back! You can't just lie here and drown, she urged herself. She kicked again, struggling desperately to hold her breath. Gripping the guardrail on D.W. Rembeck, Sinclair watched in anguish as the grey-haired woman sank beneath the surface. As a child, while helping to serve customers in his family's service station, his father had often told him, Son, real rewards in life come from helping other people. The principle had stuck and was the main reason Sinclair had become a policeman. Now, he wanted to help but couldn't. As a part-time life-saving instructor, he knew it was useless to dive into a sea as turbulent as this. His only hope was to spot her from above. Almost a minute had passed and there was still no sign of her. She must be trapped, he thought. If I don't get her out right now, she's finished. Then, as St. Clair scanned the water, he saw a veil of fabric beneath the foam. It's her! He vaulted the guardrail and plunged into the sea. As he groped beneath the surface, his hands closed around a rope. He ran his fingers along it. A leg! He eased the loop that held Sylvia and her leg floated free. St. Clair pulled her to the surface. For a moment, she lay still. Then she was racked by coughing and there was a tremendous gasp as she drew in air. St. Clair and Cooper hauled her onto D.W. Rembeck. Thanks, fellas, thanks, Sylvia gasped, slumping to the deck. Alec, where is he? She pulled herself up and looked over the rail. Fifty metres away, Apex 2 had drawn up next to the overturned balloon. She could see three figures being helped on board. Alec! Warm tears rolled down her icy skin and she began to shake uncontrollably. We're safe. Thank God, we're all safe. Meadmore felt a rush of relief as he watched Alec and Judith leave the sinking basket and a flood of emotion. Thank you, he said to Sinclair, as the policeman helped him salvage the damaged canopy of his balloon. We owe you our lives. Though soaked through and shivering, Sinclair managed a grin. It all goes with the job, mate, he said. The ordeal has made the bond between Sylvia and Alec firmer than ever. We take pleasure from sharing even the simplest things, she says. Her dislike of heights has all but vanished. I know now, she says, there's an inner strength we can find when faced with adversity. Constable Greg Sinclair was awarded a Queensland Police Service Commissioner's Certificate for initiative, resourcefulness and dedication to duty. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia, a division of Direct Publishing. Direct Publishing.